The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. On today's episode of Expensive Words, we're going to talk about the fourth type of relationship in our Relationships and Writing series, and we're going to talk about workplace proximity associates, uh, to quote Ron Swanson. And so what we want to talk about is characters that are set into the workplaces of your protagonist and how those relationships um, can support the story, uh, give a backbone to who your character is, and create meaningful relationships for your character to have. Yesterday we talked about relationships and family, and tomorrow we're going to go over uh, the last episode in this series, which is uh, friends to lovers and enemies to lovers, because it's so fun to talk about. So the, the, the phrase workplace proximity associates comes from my second favorite television show, Parks and Recreation, which stars Amy Poehler as the uh, flat character arced protagonist, Leslie Nope. And I want you to think about this with me, okay? There are two shows that are completely dependent upon workplace relationships that people love. One is Parks and Rec, which, like I said, is my second favorite show ever. It was my favorite show until Ted Lasso came out, and now my favorite show is Ted Lasso, uh, for reasons I will talk about when I review season one, which hopefully is coming soon, because I can't wait to talk about it. And the other show, which is very famous... Uh, and I was watching a class yesterday. I'm going through this 30-day challenge myself. And uh, the person who was teaching was talking about how uh, he loves watching The Office. And I was like, oh, duh. Of course, that is like the main example of relationships at work, building a meaningful story for the protagonist. And uh, in The Office, <laughs> you know, uh, it's one... Steve Carell uh, plays this character. He's the supervisor of the Dunder Mifflin office, uh, Michael Scott. And I, I don't want to spend too much time on the office because it's one of those things that I could literally talk about for hours. Uh, but the thing that makes the show is the workplace relationships. And uh, Parks and Rec came out when the office was still going. I believe it was before Steve Carell had left the show. Uh, spoiler, if you haven't seen any of them, you should watch The Office. Uh, let me just say, if you want to understand workplace relationships, definitely watch The Office. Everything is hyperbolized, of course, because it's a comedy. But 
uh, the the relationships are really well established. Mindy Kalig and BJ Novak both wrote on that show. Mindy Kalig is a huge hero of mine. I love all almost everything she does. I'm obsessed with, uh, and she's a very talented writer. So you know you can see that the people who wrote that show, uh, all of them, were very talented at creating those nuances inside of those workplace relationships. And uh, the thing is, in these types of relationships, in your writing, the, there's this weird power dynamic that you might not have in other relationships inside your story. And that's also something we see in family relationships. They have a strange power dynamic that other relationships don't normally have in that there's like the parent and the child and the parent has power over the child while the child is not an adult. And then they try to keep that power sometimes as the child turns into an adult. And that's when you end up with difficult, complicated things. But it's more cut and dry in a workplace because you have a uh, actual structure of hierarchy as far as this person's your boss and this person's that person's boss and this person is that person's boss and so on and so forth. And so you can bring those complicated ideas into your character. Uh, so, for example, in Parks and Recreation, you have Leslie Nope, who's played by Amy Poehler. And you have Ron Swanson, who's played by Nick Offerman. And Ron is Leslie's boss. But Leslie is not the kind of person who uh, will listen to super, her supervisor. And especially in this case, because she is a very impassioned government worker. She believes that the government will do the best thing for the public, while her boss, Nick Offerman, is a very vocal libertarian who wants to take power away from the government and give people more free choice. So there, <laughs> it's not just that, like, she works for him. It's that they kind of believe the opposite things, and he's trying to destroy the government from the inside, and she's trying to help people through government. So they seem diametrically opposed, but uh, the thing that's really fun about their relationship is that they don't agree. They straight out disagree, but they care about each other. And because of that, they both become better people. They both uh, evolve in that relationship. And my favorite episode of Parks and Rec ever is the one, uh, the Morning Star Resolution and if you don't know what that is, you should just go binge watch. No, don't go. Don't go binge watch all uh, of the seasons of Parks and Rec right now because you're thinking about writing. So stay in the writing place. But uh, if you want to be inspired about these workplace proximity associate relationships, you should watch Parks and Rec. Uh, everyone should watch The Office at least one time because uh, it's just one of those things. As my as my teenager would say, it's cringy. But you kind of just have to suffer through it because there are all these warm and special moments between the work friends in that type of relationship that makes the show so special. And we see even more of that in Parks and Recreation. It's a lot less cringy, we'll say, than than The Office is. Um, but it's this it's this sort of narrative that we see uh, the creator of Parks and Recreation is very good at because in his new show upload on Amazon Prime, you also have the same sort of thing where there's these people who work at the upload uh, place, which I can't remember the name of it right now, but you see those workplace relationships. So if you want to make your characters feel real, 
and have real conflict and have real resolution and issues, it's always great to give them a relationship with someone at work. And you want to have not just one relationship, but multiple because you want to have a friend and you want to have a villain. (laughs) And not to say that the villain is actually someone bad or evil, but it's the person who's pushing your character to do things that they don't want to do. And sometimes that means actually grow as a person. So even though the character might view them as a villain, the reader might say, oh, this person's actually trying to help with tough love and uh, the protagonist isn't getting it right away. So these are, these are relationships that a lot of us have uh, in real life. I am not working in an office right now, but I have worked in an office and I have worked... Uh, in retail, and I feel like also every single person should work retail at least once. And if you're a writer, you definitely should work retail because the stories that you're going to get are going to make, and the life experience you'll get too, right? Those things will make your stories a lot richer. Uh, For example, I always wanted to write a story about um, mailboxes, etc., or some kind of store like that burning down uh, on Christmas Eve because that would be hilarious uh, to write (laughs) because I used to be the uh, assistant store manager at a UPS store. And I remember just like how insane it was. Like even though people know that the package won't get there by Christmas, they just like flock in on Christmas Eve like, look, see, at least it's postdated before Christmas. See how much I care about you. And I just thought it would be fun to, uh, you know, burn the store to the ground fictionally, not in real life ever, obviously. Uh, And just to see like what that would be like for the employees and for the people whose packages are inside. And uh, because the people who really, really care about their package getting there, they send the package way before December 24th. They get in there, you know, the day, uh, basically the Monday after Black Friday, they come in and send their gifts out because they want to make sure that it's there in time for their loved ones. And the people that I met while working at the UPS store were amazing and varied, and all of our relationships were very different. Uh, I had one supervisor who would scream at me and then give me a Reese's cup instead of saying sorry, just so that uh, she could ease her own conscience. Because what could I do? I was like, a, you know, <laughs> if I wanted to pay for my college books, I had to work there. And so it's not like I was just going to be like, Well, I quit because you yelled at me. I needed the money. I needed to be able to buy a parking permit to park on campus because I was a commuter. Like, I I couldn't find a lot of other jobs, and my neighbor knew the owner of the store, and the owner, you know, really loved the supervisor, so it's not like I could be like, hey, um, owner, this lady keeps screaming at me randomly anytime anything goes wrong, even if it's not my fault, and, uh... I don't like it. I just had to be quiet. So because my supervisor would feel bad after she would scream at me, she would come by and give me a Reese's cup, uh, which she kept hidden near the safe in the back room, by the way, you know, like to the left of the giant um, vat of packing peanuts that come down in like the little tunnel. So, you know, that would be something that's multidimensional that can give your story that character to be able to write something that feels realistic but that you can kind of parody a little bit, right, to have some fun because you should always try to do two things when you're writing a story. And I haven't talked about this that much. Uh, Maybe I'll do a series about it, but you should try to make your reader cry 
and you should try to make your reader laugh. And this is something I physically write down. If a book makes me laugh, I write down how many times it makes me laugh out loud, like an actual laugh, not an inside my head laugh, not a LOL that's not actually an LOL. And I write down any time I cry. And if I sob, I write like really cried. And so if a book is like, meh, but I cried or I laughed, uh, I'll give it like that extra star. You know what I'm saying? But if a book wants to get five stars, it has to make me cry uh, or laugh and sometimes both. But, you know, not every book has to be happy. Not every book has to be sad. But in general, uh, I want to cry at least one time if I'm giving the book five stars because I want to know that I've had that emotion, that the, the writer has successfully transferred that emotion into me, the reader. So you can use all kinds of relationships to achieve this. But if you feel like I'm stuck, I don't know what to do in this scene, or I don't know what to do to get this character to the next part of their character arc, make them go through something at work. Make them interact with someone at work. Uh, also, you can make them interact with customers and clients because that is something that can showcase how your character deals with frustration or whatever else. Or uh, my husband's been... He, he works as a painter and he's going to he's going to school to learn how to be a home inspector. And he was working on a door yesterday and the door and the weather just like were against him. And no matter what he did, the bad paint that was on the door originally would not let the new paint adhere to it. And it was cold, so it was drying weird. And uh, so yesterday, my husband's enemy was actually a piece of wood, a door. And having your protagonist go up against something that's not real uh, could be hilarious. And that's like you can have an anthropomorphic relationship with something at work. So let's say like, for example, I'm, I'm at work and I'm writing, but I, my pen isn't working. <laughs> I need a pen. Okay. If I'm not typing, I need a pen. Actually right now I can't write with my hand because my tendonitis has flared up so Horribly, I'm wearing a brace, and I tried to write something earlier, and my whole hand was like, no, don't. Uh, I can do, like, this weird typing thing because uh, I can just leave out one thumb and use the space bar with the other thumb, and I'm fine. But, you know, it's a little bit clumsier. But anyway, so let's say I'm going to write, and I want to uh, use my pen because I'm a writer, and my pen won't work. And I look, and my box of pens that I always keep, I always have extra pens, uh, and I always have my favorite brand of pen. I always have like several boxes. So if I were to run out, that would be really hilarious because I'm so anal about <laughs> having pens and making sure I have backup pens and that I have color pens because like I've said before, I like to color code my notes. So you can even make the character have relationships with things at work that you anthropomorphize. Uh, but obviously, people are more textured, so go for that first. And if you want to go for something that's a little bit funny, you can have that anthropomorphic relationship with a pen or, in my husband's case, uh, the villain door who was thwarting him that he ended up having to scrape down to the wood completely. I called him and I heard, like, scrape, 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 scrape. I'm like, oh, I guess you're not coming home yet. And he's like, no. So you need to uh, think about what kind of people can be around your character to bring out the things in them that you want the reader to see. And one of the most relatable things on this planet is being irritated with that guy or lady or non-binary pal at work who is impossible. <laughs> and you have to work with them and there's nothing you can do to get out of it. 
And so you can show how does this character deal with frustration? How resilient are they? And that's uh, a, a likable quality that you can give your character. Or you can make your character have a bad day at work and cr create a, a scene where your uh, reader is going to empathize with the protagonist. So these are just uh, in your relationship bag of tricks. Like I said, if you're feeling stuck, write a relationship into the character's workplace. That'll give you quite a few scenes to help you get the character arc you need to get to the next plot point. Next, we're going to talk about relationships in writing, friends to lovers, and enemies to lovers, which is just like a bonus for you because uh, I want to talk about it because it's super fun. It's also fun to write, and we're going to talk about uh, love triangles. We're going to talk about the love pentagon. Finally, if you've been listening to the show, you know I was watching Heart of Dixie because I was like, hmm, love pentagon, eh? This is interesting. And I finally finished watching that series. And so now I can give you the resolution to that and talk about that and why I think it's interesting. And uh, then we're going to close out the series. And hopefully at the end, you'll be like, okay, I can write any kind of relationship in writing uh, for my character to showcase the things I want. And that's going to level you up. So you finished writing 101, you're going to finish relationships in writing, and you're going to get one step closer to writing an amazing story, the story of your heart. And I will see you, not literally, in the next episode. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing.